And I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone, way too gone. Alright, legends, welcome back to yet another episode of Get Around Me. It's me, Billy Darcy, what an absolute treat. Feel the hype, spread the hype, etc. Episode, etc. My middle name, etc. Um, so what a time it is to be alive, guys. Uh, as always, got to plug these goddamn dates, and I'm in Adelaide right now. This is coming at you from Adelaide. I'm, I'm in the what's Adelaide? The city of churches. And you know what? Fuck nine to five. I'm here for five days. I'm seeing churches nine to five. Not enough time to see them all. Some beautiful churches here. And uh, so Adelaide, March 10 to 14, it's March uh, 12 today, but come to a goddamn show. Come to a goddamn show, Adelaide. The show's good. It's a cute room. I'm even cuter in real life if you can wrap your head around that. And my hair's even softer than you could ever imagine. Uh, But the show's great. I'd love to see you there. So come along, Adelaide. Tickets in my Instagram bio. Melbourne International Comedy Festival, March 25 to April 19. I'm doing 22 shows. Is it too many shows? It's not not too many shows, okay? I did 12 in Perth. I thought that was a lot. But no. 22 shows in Melbourne. So for God's sake, send send your second cousin along. Um, even, even that one that gets weird at Easter every year, bring him. I don't give a shit. Sit him in the back as long as he pays for a ticket. Uh, but bring everyone. So And then I got Sydney, April 23 to 26. And uh, it's, it's all very exciting. It's all very exciting. And I can confirm that Brisbane will be in August. I'll be coming to Canberra at some stage. And I've got a Newcastle date in the works. Thank you. And on top of all these beautiful dates, as always, the pod is brought to you by VM Apparel, the best goddamn party shirts this side of the equator. It's vmapparel.com.au. And they do repel coronavirus and attract hotties. Regardless of gender, they're attracting hotties. So get around those shirts. Very exciting stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't. I've, I've coming into this one. I got to feel like, I feel a bit, a bit uh, like, what am I doing with my life? Type situation. Just feeling a bit, a bit of that Monday. I'm recording this on a Monday, before I got Adelaide. Um. So this is actually coming at you from Sydney. I don't know why I lied before, but it's. This will when this releases, I'll be in Adelaide, and I just got a bit of the old Monday existential dread, you know. Just, but you just got to push through it. Nothing to it, but to do it, you know. And look, I'm going to Adelaide, and one thing I will be doing is comedy. One thing I fucking won't be doing is checking a bag. I refuse to check a bag on domestic flights. I checked one to go to Perth for three weeks, and it just ate away at me my whole time there. So I'm not taking the podcast get Adelaide. I refuse to check a bag. It's one duffel, one way, no questions. Okay. So very exciting. Um, but I had a, I had the best week of gigs ever. I had so much, so many fun gigs last week. It was weird. I don't know what happened. You know, comedy is very uh, with the scheduling of it, with the scheduling of stand up comedy. It's very like. Well, this is the sickest thing ever. And then like the next week you're like, what the fuck is happening? It's never very like level. It's like one week you'll make a fair, fair chunk of change. Sickest gigs. It's all happening. Then the next week you're like just playing in a pub to seven people. You're like, what happened? Last week I was a king. Well, this week I had the reverse of that because I came back from Perth all filled with comedic like, let's do it and get back into the Sydney scene. And I just 
lined up some of the roughest gigs around, and then last week, bam, sickest gigs in town. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I hosted the Coogee Bay Hotel on Monday. Can't think of anything too notable that happened there. Uh, although we did have a chick in the crowd who had been tested for coronavirus that day. So she was coughing up a storm. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really care for her attitude because she made it all about her. Um, when in fact, I don't care if you've got coronavirus. I don't care if you're dying in the second row. Let's not forget whose show it is. It's my show. It's my podcast. You can back off. It's the last time I'll say it. It is the last time I'll say it. Um, so that was a great show. Um, probably about 120 backpackers there. Backpackers are just a glorious bunch of people. And then I did, uh, Enmore Theatre Tuesday, which, which is a very cool gig. I did University of Wollongong Wednesday, which is one of my favorite goddamn gigs ever, even though it's like two hours away from where I live. Um, but that's that's a fun gig. And it's because young people are the best. That's why I'm not really too concerned about this coronavirus. It, it appears to be attacking the oldies. And is that a bad thing? I've, you know, thin out the herd a little bit. You know, the next time you see Gladys driving around, she's somehow still got a license at 93, goes straight over a roundabout, thinks it's a pothole. You think maybe a bit of Corona could sort that out, make the streets a bit safer. You know what I mean? So, love young people, um, and I'm pro-coronavirus. That's what we got to there. But University of Wollongong, sickest gig ever, like 500 students, and it's just a crush fest. It's a goddamn crush fest. But this weird thing happened last week with all my gigs, basically, until the end of the week. So I did Monday to Saturday, did like seven or eight gigs, and for some reason... Billy D was coming out of the gates so fucking cold, it was unbelievable. Like, my openers were just bombing at every gig. I don't know why. I still don't really know why, to be honest. I was listening back on the recording going like, I swear I always say it that way. And I was just having the slowest starts to these sets. And then I eventually kind of like, like get them on like my second or third joke. But my opener was just dying at every set. I was like, I still get really analytical with it. This is where you can really freak yourself out. I think this is why, apart from a distinct lack of talent, I used to really get in my head with cricket as well uh, about this sort of stuff. You get too analytical. And I'm, I'm listening back to my sets going like, do I usually say it with that inflection? Am I coming out too relaxed? Not relaxed enough? More energy? Less energy? What am I doing with my hands? I was like, I was like freaking out. I was like, these, like, and I was changing my openers. I was like, these always get laughs. That's why I open with them. You know? I'm not opening with some fucking weird Hitler bit being like, let's see how the, the opener is the opener because it's reliable. And my opener is getting nothing. And I'm just like, what the freaking goddamn hell is happening? And I started to like just freak out a little bit. And then it just got in my head. I was listening so analytically to my stuff. And I was just like, say it this way. Start, yeah, just try and... I was like, what do I use? I was thinking, what do I usually do? I don't even think about it usually. I just go out there and do it. But I'm thinking, what do I usually do? How do I do it? And I reckon once you're thinking that far into it, you're already, you're fucked either way. Sometimes you just got to go, just let the thoughts out of your head. I had a good two nights, like Wednesday, Thursday, I listened to my set like twice on the way home going like, I swear that's how I always do it, but it got, it's not doing well. So I was freaking out a bit. And I had my sets filmed Thursday and Saturday at the comedy store. And so then I'm just freaking like Thursday, I'm filming it. Open it doesn't do well. I'm like, fuck. You know? I want to have good sets obviously on camera. 
so I can use the footage, but my opener doesn't do well. I'm like, what am I, what am I freaking doing? You know? And, and, and then Friday I was just like, dude, fuck this. Whatever happens, happens. My opener still didn't do well. I thought if I didn't care, it would come back. Nothing. And, and then Saturday I was literally like, I was, I was having both sets filmed and I was like, dude, whatever. I'm fucking sick of this. And ended up having great sets. So I don't even know what the moral of this story is. I think sometimes you just got to be like, like I was, I was having like a crisis of like, um, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. Like sometimes I think you just got to believe in yourself and be like, dude, I, I am good at this. I can do this. This is what I do. Let's do it. And just go, it's like, and just throw it all out, you know? And then I'm having great sets on Saturday night. Like my, my other sets were going well, but it was like slow starts. It was like, I was not starting well. Like I just couldn't connect with the crowd immediately. Like, like it was weird. I don't know. I still don't know really. But sometimes you just be like, dude, fuck this. I'm not analyzing my inflections anymore. This is getting out of hand. I am good at this. And you just got to do it. Nothing to it, but to do it. And I will say filming comedy, if you're like filming it, like just as a one-off, I had some bits, some older bits I wanted to get filmed to put on Facebook and that. And filming comedy, dude, that'll fucking get in your head like you won't believe. Because I'm up there talking. I'm doing my bit. And there's this one, there's one like maybe two and a half minute bit that I wanted to get. One of the bits I was getting filmed. I'm up there. I'm doing it. And it's going, it's going pretty good. And then two tags don't get what they usually get. They don't get like what I, what I would want them to get, especially when they're filmed. And then the rest of that bit, the next minute and a half, I'm just thinking, what's the fucking point? I'm not going to use this now. That freaking line bombed. Cause like, this is, you know, I want the joke to get what I think it's worth on camera. And so then I'm just literally, I'm doing the rest of the joke, but in my head, I'm thinking, fuck, what, what's the point of this bill? You blew it. You fucking blew it, which is not a good inner monologue to have on stage in front of like fucking, you know, 250 people or whatever. And yeah, so there's a lot of voices in my head last week for one reason or another. Um, but I just want to give a shout out to Nick, who filmed my set on Thursday, friend of uh, friend of the friends of the pod, the band Super Honey. Uh, he's, he's, his Instagram is Cookies Domain. If you need any filming done, guy's a wizard. And then um, my friends Bryce and Simon filmed the Saturday, so that was fantastic as well. So just a shout out to those guys. Very very exciting stuff. Hopefully have some clips up soon. Um, but I'm drinking a bit of red wine tonight because it's a Monday night. I'm doing the podcast at night time. Dude, when do you do your podcast? Because I apparently only do mine either at 7pm or 7am. Not podcast o'clock. I want to be doing it at 11am. That's podcast o'clock, I reckon. Um, but yeah, so I had some fun. I had really, really fun gigs. Um, Saturday got pretty blind after and just a great time. Just a great time to be alive. I woke up at a mate's place Saturday, Sunday morning, I should say. And you know when you like get a little bit of a look behind the curtain? Like I made a mind, I knew it was a big stoner, but like, like I wake up at like 10 a.m. and he's like, he's rolling a joint because I'm in his room. He's rolling a joint. He's like, do you want to hit this? And I was like, nah, not really, dude. It's it's 10 a.m. Some would call it a gentleman's nine, you know, because daylight savings coming up. Let's prepare. But yeah, he, so he, he's hitting a joint at 10 a.m. And I'm like, oof, I think that's a bit much, to be honest. 
So that was kind of like a bit of an eye-opening thing. I just thought, I got to get the fuck out of here, dude. This is, it's wild out here. Narcotics before midday? You're crazy. You're crazy. So that, that was a bit much. And I watched the UFC all day Sunday. Very exciting, the UFC. That women's fight, crazy. That men's fight, not so crazy. That is my UFC analysis. But I tell you what, I'm all about classing up a bit these days. On Sundays at the moment, what we're doing is drinking Pinot Grigio and we treat ourselves to a bit of the old marijuana in the evening or in the early afternoon. You know, none of this 24 beers, head down to the, you know, head down to a local cricket game, freaking throw a scoreboard at some 16-year-old. Those days are gone for me. Although that sounds pretty good. Now it's Pinot Grigio and some light drug use. And that's Sundays. That's the Lord's Day. Never forget it. I will say this. Look, I'm just going to comment on this whole... The panic buying of the toilet paper. I spoke a little bit about it last week because I thought, hey, this is a fun thing to talk about right now. Let's get in while it's hot. But it's a week later and people are still panic buying the toilet paper and stuff. At what point is it just buying? You know, like panic buying is like, get down quick. But if the next week after you've just bought 46 toilet rolls, you come back and buy another 46... I think you're just a freak who has a lot of toilet paper at that point now. You know, the panicking's over. You've had time to think about it and you're still coming back for more toilet paper. So why don't we just have a chat about maybe your bowels and what's happening in your bathroom because this is getting out of hand. And you know what? It's all fun and games with this stuff. You know, the aisles are empty. It's a bit of fun. It's exciting, I guess. Something a bit different. But it's all fun and games until you actually need toilet paper. And then you... It's like, oh, sweet, we need toilet paper. Well, fucking hell, lads, set the alarm for 5 a.m. We're going to line up outside Woolies like it's Soviet Russia in the 70s. It's like, and I just need six rolls. I live in a share house. It's my turn to either buy the toilet paper. And we have a strict roster system. Just let me buy the six rolls, you know? I don't want to fucking plan my day around buying toilet paper. Is that too much to ask? I'm sorry, did a communist regime take over on Friday night? What happened? And now people in Sydney, actually in my cricket game, three of the opposition players um, had to be replaced because they, a kid at their school got coronavirus and they're now quarantined. So, I'm still alive. Do you know what I mean? They're still alive. Everything is fine. And you know what? It was some of their better players that got the coronavirus. Or the, know the guy who got it. So if anything, this virus is helping my cricket team surge into the semifinals. We're in the top six now. Thanks to this ravenous disease. So, I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm i already allergic to penicillin. So I've accepted that when it's my time, it'll be my time. Do you know what it's like being allergic to penicillin? Not that penicillin fixes coronavirus, but like... Do the antibiotics I already receive when I when I have a cold, I get the third string bullshit, see if this works, we know it won't, but just pay for it anyway, medicine. Okay, I'm, I always go, they go, oh, you got a cold, uh, no worries, bit of penicillin should do the job, and I go, I'm actually allergic. Last time I had it, it felt like there were spiders crawling all over me. And I've got freckles on my arm, so I've, okay, I'm not saying it's, it's worse because I feel like there's something crawling on my arm. I look down, there's all these miscellaneous dots everywhere that kind of look like maybe spiders. So, I was freaking out. 
so I'm allergic to penicillin and the doctor's always like, oh, no penicillin, hey, uh, hmm, maybe, I mean, we got this moxonephalon, it says here, ugh, a few side effects, are you, do you know what, just, hey, take it for a few days, see what happens, I'm interested to find out, I really am, you know, so I'm already, I, the, the medical industry can already do, can only do so much for me, and if coronavirus comes for me, I will, uh, I will just, I'll take my leave. But I will say this, at my funeral, I'm going to send my dad up there to do the eulogy, or, or one of the lads will, and the first thing that bloke's going to do, he's going to plug the rest of my tour. So if you're at my funeral, the first thing you're going to hear is Melbourne Comedy Festival, March 25 to April 19, and I expect some of you pelicans to turn up, even though I won't be there. You know, fill out the room, create some atmosphere. So, I don't know, but I will say, I've seen some stuff on the internet, and the internet is a, is a powerful tool. Just powerful, real. Uh, for example, my, my roommate Maka doesn't really know any cooking recipes. I come home today, he's cooking a lamb stew. Okay, he has no business cooking lamb stew. He doesn't, he doesn't even really know what a stew is, but he was able to Google that information and put the dish together from there. And that's just one example of the power of this, of this internet tool. But I've been reading about this. Uh, a lot of people I am friends with on Facebook are you know, very uh, huge political lefties and share a lot of sort of stuff. But something that's been good recently, this girl shared, was because Australia's workforce is so heavy on casual employment, I myself am a casual employee. I have been my whole life. I've never had um, a permanent job of any description. So I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm through and through casual. And as a casual, you don't have many rights. The only, the only real benefit to being a casual is that when I go on tour for two out of three months, I am able to just say, hey, catch you in May, legends. And there's really no consequences for that. So that's, that's the benefit. Obviously, I don't get paid. Um, and you're at the mercy of the roster. And the roster is, can be a cruel bitch, I will say that. You know, you, you're getting four days a week, you're on top of the world, and then some new guy starts, they give him one of your shifts. Hey, who's this new guy? Fuck this guy. What about that? Fuck this guy. No loyalty in the casual system. So, but the thing is they were saying is, because we don't really have any proper part-time work, what's going to happen is people are going to get coronavirus and keep coming to work because they're, they're casual. If they don't go into work, they won't get paid. And if they don't get paid, they can't pay their bills. So they're just going to go, no, I don't have coronavirus. And they're going to go into work and it's all in the service industry, like the, the bars, the cafes, this sort of stuff, where a lot of old people frequent. Thank you. And, and coronavirus is really attacking the oldies. And I interact with a lot of old people at my work. I work at a shopping center and it's pretty much, I don't know if you've been at a shopping center during the day, but um, young people and middle-aged people, they have places to be. You know, school, work, activities, not old people. They'll roll in for a coffee at 9, 11, and 3 o'clock at the same cafe. And they'll come and go each time. They got nothing but time. They're killing time. Coronavirus is killing them. hey all. And, and so what's going to happen is these, these casual people, because they don't have any paid leave, paid sick leave, they will still go into work with the coronavirus and they'll spread it around. And it's a big problem because I know personally, if I got the coronavirus, I would absolutely still go into work. 100 million percent. I don't know if that's bad to say, if that's like selfish or whatever, but dude, I got fucking, I got rent, 
I got bills. I got a pretty decent alcohol habit. I need that paycheck coming in. So it will be interesting to see if maybe as a result of this corona thing, maybe casual employees are, maybe there's some changes there. I would love to see some paid sick leave. Did I remember one day um, years ago, I was working a casual job um, and I can't remember what, it was a public holiday and it was double time and a half. I was getting like, I was 18 and I was getting like $55 an hour. And I was so sick. I was vomiting at home. My dad drove me down. I couldn't even drive. I, my dad drove me down. I'm vomiting everywhere. And I just get to work. I don't know what, I can't remember what place I was waiting, but it was like dead. And I just smashed a bunch of Panadol and just gritted it through the day. It was in so, just so ill, vomiting every half an hour. And I just gritted through the day just to get the $55 an hour. It was like a $400 day. And that's because if I didn't go in, I wouldn't have got that money. So, you know, coronavirus, I don't think you even vomit if you get coronavirus, dude. Are you kidding? I'll fucking, it'll take, it'll take three or four coronaviruses to stop me going in on a Sunday, getting that double time. So that's, that's something maybe the government's got to look at. I'm not sure. But I also subscribe to the thing that if you want real job benefits, maybe you should just get a real job. I don't have a real job and that's okay with me. I understand that. It's because I'm chasing fucking dreams, okay? But if you want, you know, if you want sick pay and holiday pay, maybe you should get a real job. A real job's not for me, but maybe it could be for you. We don't know that. So, yeah. Pretty exciting. I, I, I got a, um, I used to work with this guy who had, we were both on casuals a couple of years ago. And he had, he was like 35 with kids. And we used to like swap shifts and so I'd be like, oh, it was such a weird comparison. Because I'd be like, oh, dude, I'm going on this huge piss up Sunday. Can you cover, can we swap shifts Monday morning? Uh, I was supposed to start at 7, you're supposed to start at 9.30. And he'd be like, no, I've got to take the kids to daycare. I'd be like, yeah, but I'm going to be still blind from the night before. And he'd be like, yeah, but this daycare is really strict on the drop-off times. And I, I remember thinking, hey, if you have kids, maybe you should get a real job to support those kids. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be swapping shifts with this, Freaking 19-year-old renegade. And yes, I just call myself a renegade. I don't like rules. I still don't. But yeah, so I don't know. It's a coronavirus thing. Neither here nor there. But a couple of things I want to talk about. I feel that I'm a... I just feel... Oh, this keeps happening to me. I'll just say this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I've got a few good things to talk about. This has been happening to me lately. So for the last year and maybe... Hmm, maybe for the last year, I would say, I've weighed exactly the same weight for the last year. I've not really gone on any diets um, or changed my lifestyle much in any way. And I've weighed exactly the same. But for some reason, at different intervals, people... Like all, like a lot of people in like a week will tell me I've lost weight. They're like, whoa, you've lost so much weight. And I can't, I don't understand what's happening. And I had that, I, it's happened like every three months for the last year. Like last like September, like there was a week where like six people were like, dude, have you lost weight? You look great. I'm like, no, I, I haven't. And they're like, no, dude, like you're looking, you're looking trim. And I go, I, I, I haven't, I haven't lost weight. Honestly, I weigh myself. I weigh the same. I don't know what goes on. And it, it happened last week. Um, freaking, 
this weekend just gone, six different six different people I think I counted were like, dude, you've lost weight. Oh, dude, you're looking skinny. And even I had a couple of um comments or uh, messages on Instagram from my podcast clip being like, dude, you look skinny. You're looking, you're looking, you're looking trim, bruh. And I haven't lost any weight. And it happened like three or four times over the weekend. People were like, you lost weight. I go, I haven't. But I will say, it feels fucking fantastic. If you wanna, if you wanna raise someone's spirits, just tell them they've lost weight even when they haven't. Because I was walking around going, dude, yeah, I've trimmed up a bit. You know? Looking trim, Bill. I thought, fuck yeah, I am looking trim. I haven't lost any weight. I weigh exactly the same. I weighed myself. But it's a great way to just boost someone's ego. And it's across the board. There's no one in the world who doesn't want to hear this. And unless you know for a fact they're on steroids. There's no person in the world that doesn't want to hear this. Hey, dude, have you lost weight? No? Oh, I don't know. You're looking trim. Bam. Spirits lifted. Across the board, spirits lifted. And you got to do it. I still feel good. I know, I know, in my, I know for a fact I haven't lost any weight, but I feel fucking fantastic off the back of those compliments. So just whoever it is, if you think that someone needs a boost, just say, just tell them they've lost weight. Transversely, if someone, if, if you don't like someone and you want to get in their head a bit, you want to give them a dig, tell them, fuck dude, you've been in a good paddock, haven't you champion? Hey, a big, a, a popular one at cricket was uh, a preseason, someone rock up would be like, Jesus Christ, mate, you look like you swallowed three sheep. Yeah, our cricket club was pretty mean. <laughs> it was pretty mean. Uh, put if you put on weight at my at my cricket club, or your hair started to thin, yeah, you would be receiving personal threats in your inbox. Hey, you bald fat fuck, <laughs> give up. Stuff like this, just good fun, just good bant. And uh, yeah, so that's that's a handy compliment you can just give out, and it will boost someone's mental health. But I just want to fix the old uh, Camaro. I will say this. Does anyone have a friend? This whole are you okay movement, you know, checking in on people, this sort of stuff is great. But does anyone have a friend who's too keen to get checked in? Like, is too keen to just like, we'll just throw like wild personal mental health shit at you out of the blue, even when you haven't really asked them? I don't make like this where I, like, even if you joke around this sort of stuff, he's like, he'll just take it heaps serious and be like, like, sometimes, uh, the other day I was like, oh yeah, I've been feeling a bit anxious lately. He's like, anxious, mate. You think you're anxious? I go, oh, a little bit. He goes, oh, anxious, mate. Oh, last time, last time I got so anxious, I had constant panic attacks, got locked up for two weeks in a mental hospital. That's anxiety. And you're just like, oh, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, I guess that is anxiety, mate. But also, I did not ask. I did not ask. And he's like, yeah, mate. Lucky to be alive, I am. And it's like, well, you know, it's a fucking Tuesday. It's not are you okay day. What are we doing? What are we doing here? And, and the other day I was like, oh, dude. he's like, my was like, oh, mate, how's Perth? I go, oh, mate, it was good fun, but I was there for ages. And, you know, during the day I was by myself a lot. You know, you get a few voices in your head. He's like, he's like, what were the voices say, mate? I go, oh, you know, just that I'm not good enough. The usual stuff, mate. Like I'm joking around. And he's like, mate, I have those exact same voices. You can't let them win, mate. You can't let them win. Fight back, Bill. Fight back. And I'm like, ugh. Like, it comes from a good place. But I'm like, dude, you just need to chill out a little bit, okay? You just need to chill out. This whole thing of like... Like, I, don't, I just can't... I'm, I don't think I'm a very good uh, sharer. I don't, I don't like sharing 
that much. And when people are like very open with it, like it's like the Uber driver last week who's like, oh mate, this is the darkest period of my life. I'm I'm about to go bankrupt. And it's like, well, you know, not to be a cunt, but tell someone who cares because I don't know you. I don't really care about this shit. I didn't ask you about it. And it's like, I got a couple of mates who are like kind of like emotional vampires. They just want to f- drag you in for these chats about their woe is me story. And it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah all right, cool. We were talking about soccer. How, how have you weaved this in somehow? You know, I think it's good to open up, but it's also good to maybe just sometimes close it up. You know, shut it down a little bit. Suffer in silence. Let's see a bit of that out there. But it is it is good to, you know, check in with your friends. I do check in with my friends now. And I used to be terrible at it. My my standard check-in would be after 46 beers. Mate, are you okay? And uh, that's and, and now I can do it sober. So that's, you want to talk about progress, you know. I'm checking in with like sober now. That's something we've not seen before. So I do check in with my friends. And sometimes my friends check in with me and I appreciate it. And you can tell usually when someone's having a bad time because they'll be acting up or, or whatever. I don't know if that mental health thing came across as banterous or like I'm a complete cunt. I honestly can't tell. Leave, comment if I'm a piece of shit. Just let me know. I feel pretty good. Like, okay. Let's put a pin in that. This one's going to need some fucking heavy editing, I reckon. Anyway. Famously unedited. I shan't be editing because I don't know how. But I will say this. Uh, I wanted to do... So basically, because I'm doing shows in Adelaide this week, I wanted to do a segment, All the Reasons I Love Adelaide. You know, get around the city that's that will hopefully get around me. Name of the pod. And I sat there for about 25 minutes. I realized I actually don't really like Adelaide very much. It's it's not a good town. My ex-girlfriend's from there. There's And, and there's really only seven people that live there. And it's just, I don't know. There's just like not much happening. I don't dislike it. Actually, no, I think I do. Yeah, I think I do dislike it. There's not, the comedy scene's not huge. The Adelaide Fringe is pretty sick. I will say that. There's a lot of cool shows. Um, there's a lot of, but yeah, it's not like a huge, the comedy scene's pretty tiny. And the only time I've been there is for Adelaide Fringe to visit family and to visit my ex-girlfriend. And it was all kind of like very, uh, you know, business style trips. You know, I've never gone for a full on fun, fun trip to Adelaide. So I don't know. So maybe Adelaide has more to offer, but I sat there for about half an hour with a pen and nothing came through. So then instead I thought I'm going to do the reasons I love Melbourne. Okay. Because I got a few reasons I love Melbourne. It's actually quite a, a vivacious city. So I thought I'm going to talk about all the reasons I love Melbourne because Melbourne's a great city, but the thing, the thing with Melbourne, all the reasons I love Melbourne, and the big, is a big one. I'm from Sydney, and Melbourne and Sydney have a huge feud, all right? We hate each other. The best thing is, though, no one in Melbourne told anyone in Sydney that we have this feud. It's so one-sided, it's unbelievable. Everyone in Melbourne hates Sydney, and in Sydney, we don't even think about Melbourne. Never. But you go down to Melbourne, you go, oh, hi, I'm from Sydney, and you don't realize it's like a loaded thing. Like, are they like, huh, oh, Sydney, you piece of shit, hey? Hey, you like rugby league and the Harbour Bridge? You loser, you dog, you Sydney dog. Back north of the bridge, mate. Fuck you. And you're just like, what? What is happening? And yeah, Melbourne has like this huge chip on their shoulder. It's like, it's like, it's almost admirable that they can like keep that rage going, even though it's so one-sided. 
you know how much energy it takes to keep a feud going just on one side? It's it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. And and Melbourne is also I will say this is actually a genuine thing I like about Melbourne. Melbourne people actually go to stuff like the women's cricket world cup final last night. Eighty seven thousand people on a Sunday night. Fuck yeah, Melbourne. That is so sick. If they played that final in Brisbane, 17 people would have turned up because they didn't want to pay for parking. You know, like, Brisbane, shape up. Perth, Perth seems to go to stuff. Adelaide, mm, shape up. Shape up, Adelaide. If your biggest event is the freaking V8 supercars, you need to shape up. But Melbourne, they're out and about, they're doing stuff. They do stuff on weeknights as well, you know. None of this, oh, it's a Tuesday, I've got work tomorrow. People in Melbourne, they go out, they go see comedy. You know, they go, they go, they support the arts. They're doing their little, their laneway thing. They're always in the laneways. I don't know what goes on the laneways, but I know they're in there. You know? How good's making a street slightly smaller and being like, this is a tourist attraction. It's a row of cafes and there's only four types of coffee in the world. So, look, I'll still go because, you know, if you go down to Melbourne with your girlfriend, that's all they want to do. But, but I love, I love that about Melbourne, that they actually get out and do stuff. It's exciting. And I will say, fuck, how good was that? The Women's World Cup, 86,000 people. And I will say, I'm talking about cricket at the end of this pod, a, a niche cricket topic. So for those people who like cricket. But another thing I love about Melbourne is that Melbourne holds on to this title of the most livable city in the world. As if it means anything at all. They're like, so, there's like, we are the most livable city in the world. What does that mean? even mean okay i think we can all agree unless you're living in freaking balawayo zimbabwe or or freaking you know senegal or some shit in north africa you know i think if you're living in the western world everything's pretty fucking livable okay hot water lights food a roof that's living son that's a livable situation but melbourne that's it i don't know who's handing out this trophy for most livable city but melbourne's like no no we're the most livable city. You know, oh, you, you think you're living, mate. Come and live here. It takes takes half the effort to live here, mate. It's just so goddamn livable. You know, wake up. You don't even have to try. You're living. It, it's just the most meaningless, n- nonsense, nothing. Who even knows what it is? And it's like on every tourist attraction for Melbourne. Like, most livable city, 2018 or whatever it was. Unbelievable. Uh, but it's also the sporting capital of the world. I will say for Melbourne, it is impressive. In Sydney, we don't really care about AFL at all. We don't really care about rugby union either, but then again, neither does the rest of the, of the country. We care about NRL, which is, you know, here's the thing. This is, what, this is what's cool about Melbourne. In Sydney, everyone would say we're a rugby league town, but you go to a rugby league game, there's like 12,000 people there. Everyone's like, yeah, it's a rugby league town. We live and die for it here. Do you? There's 12,000 people there. And we've got a bigger population than Melbourne. But... Sorry, I just farted. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this. You go to freaking... Uh, you know, rugby league game, 12,000 people. Stadium's a third full. You go to the AFL, round 13. Geelong versus who gives a fuck? 80,000 people. You know? Not important game at all. 80,000 people there. Whole town's loving it. That's cool. You know, Melbourne, I will say, you do deserve to be the sporting capital of the world. You've got the Australian Open. You've got the Boxing Day Test. It's all happening. 
very deserved title. I love the passion for sport. I love that basically different suburbs will play each other in footy and 80,000 people will turn up. You know? Friggin' St. Kilda versus Carlton. Oh, sweet. The neighborhoods are having a run at each other. Oh, 80,000 people are here to watch. Now, that's sport. I love that. I love I love the atmosphere. I did go to watch AFL. I don't really like AFL, but I don't dislike it either. And I enjoy the atmosphere. So, a few reasons I love Melbourne. I will say the weather. Hey, saw that out. Saw that out, Melbourne. The fucking weather. It's no good. Um, I'm so, It's like... It's like somebody... It's like it's a city for English people who weren't ready to go full happiness. You know? They're like, oh, we want to be happy, but not too happy. It's like, we'll go to Melbourne. You barely see the sun. It's cold as shit. And the water looks uninviting. And they're like, sweet. And it's like, but everyone's there is Australian. Yeah, they're Australian. Okay, that seems like a good middle ground. You know, I'm not ready to go full suns out. Let's be happy. You know, I still want to be a bit dreary. Still want to have some good pubs. That's another thing. The pubs in Melbourne fucking rip. In Sydney, we don't have that many good pubs outside of the city. It's all RSLs and bowling clubs. But Melbourne, the pubs rip. I love that. I love the laneways. I love that everything's in a grid. In Sydney, everything's fucking loop-de-loop. Take seven rights and go fuck yourself. Nothing makes sense. It's the hilliest city ever. You know, oh, it's a, just a one-kilometer walk. Get that on a topographic map and see how that sorts you out. You know, it's fucking climbing up and down three mountains just to get to the local shops. In Melbourne, flat as attack, everything's in a grid. Straight four blocks, one right, you're there. Enjoy your day. It's a balmy 24 degrees. Fuck yeah, Melbourne. Love that. I love the pubs. I love getting around. I love the trams. We just got trams back in Sydney. We got rid of them because we we didn't know what we had. We didn't know what we had. Melbourne, the trams. I also am terrified of trams. I will say that. They're silent killers. You don't hear them coming. Can Can we make the trams make some engine noises or something? Even just play like engine noises out of a speaker on the front of a tram. Because they're just, they're just these death machines silently around town. Scares the shit out of me. I don't like it. But they're convenient as fuck. I never catch them when I'm in Melbourne because I find the timetable and the map intimidating. You know, take the B37 to Sector 12. What the fuck are you talking about? I'll take an Uber pool like a gentleman. You know, every gig I went to and from in Melbourne, I got an Uber pool almost exclusively with middle-aged couples. And that's how it was. No regrets. So yeah, I absolutely love Melbourne. There's a few reasons. Come get around my show and keep the feud going. Melbourne against Sydney. We really should be uniting against the one true enemy in this country, Canberra. Okay, how Canberra is the capital city is fucking blows me away. Blows me away. It's like if you go to America... And they're like, oh yeah, check out this small town in Ohio. Uh, No real attractions or anything. Um, It's cold as shit in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's probably the seventh best town in that state. And you're like, okay, so this is like a no-name, who-gives-a-fuck town. No, it's actually the capital of Ohio. You're like, well, well, that's not a thing. You wouldn't do that, would you? And they say, no, you wouldn't do that. It's a dumb thing to do. But in Australia, we must be one of the only countries in the world where our worst city is the capital. And you talk talk to backpackers, they're not going there. Our capital city. Dude, that's, dude Canberra sucks so bad, they had to man-make a lake to put in there. Do you know how shit a city has to be for them to go like, fuck, dude, the only thing that can save this, a body of water. 
That's how bad it is there. Like, and it's a lake. The most boring body of water you could possibly put together. At least put a fucking wave pool in. I'll put some bull sharks in to mix things up a bit, you know? Somebody goes for a swim, you know? Some little canine Rex goes out. You never see him again. At least there's a backstage, uh, back page story there. You know, bull sharks in the lake. Be careful. But yeah, dude, they put a lake in. It's just cold and miserable and it sucks. I went to the casino in Canberra. It's like just two blackjack tables and a Coke machine. They're like, this is the casino. Fuck me. I hate Canberra. But I will come and do a gig there. So get around that. So here's the thing. This is how I feel about all the Australian cities in total. Sydney, it's a harbour city, babe. What are you going to do? Melbourne, love Melbourne. A lot about it. Weather, shape up a little bit. But overall, great city. Hobart, I've never been. But I'm open to it. Tasmania, it's got a different tune over there. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it's about. Brisbane, violent, but I love it. Perth, I love it. A little messy, too far away. But overall, I do enjoy it a lot. Adelaide, slight dislike. Just need Adelaide to lift. Um, I've been to Cairns. That is a cesspit. Don't go there unless you want to lose your soul. And Byron Bay is what it is. It is what it goddamn is. And I've been to a few other places. I've been to a lot of places, actually. A lot of great towns. I've been pretty much all over New South Wales. But that's all I can think of right now. I also have been to... I've been to a fucking few towns. Whatever. I think this is the worst podcast I've ever done. I like to come clean. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Okay. I'm sorry. Try my fucking best here. I got one more thing to talk about. And it's quite exciting. So I will say this. So here's a gig story. I had all these old... I used to write a blog for all my gigs in my first three years of comedy. I got all these stories from when I was like a terrible comedian doing terrible gigs for terrible money. Fuck, what money? No money. Just running around like a headless chook. Anyway, so here's the thing in comedy is that girls like it. Girls are in the crowd and you do well on stage. They're into it. It's a phenomenal phenomenon. Okay? So that is the thing. If you bring a girl to see you do a comedy show, the comedy date, as I call it, it's high stakes, high reward. I used to do it all the time. I don't do it. I don't do it as much now. A little bit, but I used to do the comedy date a fair bit. The comedy state is high stakes, high reward because if you crush, bam, she's into it. You're off to the races. But if you bomb, you look like such a fucking loser. It's unbelievable. High stakes, high reward. And one time, I invited this girl from uni um, when I was like maybe a year and a half into comedy to come to this pub gig. And I always did well at this pub gig. It was like an open mic, but it had got big crowds. And um, she brought like five of her friends. And she was like, you got to come see this guy, Billy, do comedy. He's so funny. And I had a big crush on this girl. And and I always did well at this gig. I was like, this is fucking, this is guaranteed. I'm in here. Anyway, so she rocks up with her five friends, like just so I'm about to go on. She's like, oh my God, we can't wait. This is going to be crazy. I'm like, yeah, 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 she'll be good. She'll be good. And I go, and I go up. And I'm doing my, my best bits, trying to impress this girl, I wouldn't believe. And I am bombing. I'm going down. Not only that, I'm, it's not going well. I start to panic a little bit because I can see this girl and her friends up the back. And then I start getting heckled. This guy's like, you suck. And I was like, 
what? And he's like, you suck. And I was like, I don't suck. You suck. Like, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. The, the, the toys are out. And he goes, yeah, well, your shoes are shit. Your shoes suck. And I go, I look down, I'm wearing black and white Converse. That's how much this guy hated me. I'm wearing black and white Converse and he's giving me a spray about them. It's like, this is the safest, most well-known shoe on the planet. And this guy's getting into me. About it. And so I start spraying him and then I'm like, mate, you fucking suck. What shoes are you wearing? And he's wearing like, he's wearing like just all black Converse. I'm like, you're wearing the same goddamn shoes. And he's like, he's into me. And then someone else is saying something and it's chaos at this point. We're just going back and forth. And in the back of my head the whole time, I'm going, I cannot believe this chick is here to see this. And I kind of end up getting the better of this guy, but it took a while. It was not graceful. And and it's just, it's uncomfortable in the room. I've sprayed this bloke and like, it's just weird. Everyone's like, what the hell? And also I've gone over my time. You only get like four minutes of these open mics. I'm like, fuck. And then I try to finish off with a bit. But once you've, it can be hard to get back into the bits once you've given someone an almighty spray. And I just go into this bit and I'm like, ugh bit bombs i just get off i'm like i go oh all right thank you guys what probably i probably had a testy pop on stage and and then i go i get off stage and even worse than her going that sucked she goes oh i thought like she's like oh i could see you were trying really hard and i was like oh dear god she goes like don't let it get you down you know i could i could see what you're trying to do like, she's giving me this shit. I go, oh, my God, this is just, this is hell on earth. I could see what you were trying to do. That just hurt. And then I was having drinks with her friends after. And uh, and I remember she's like, oh, we're going to go meet these guys at this pub around the corner. Do you want to come? And I was like, no. And I was like, oh, yeah. And and then one of her friends goes, oh, my God, is um, Brendan going to be there? And she's like, yeah, I, I can't believe it. And she's like, oh, my God, you're, to- like, you're totally going to get with him. And she's like, oh, we'll see. And she's like, clearly wants to get with this guy. I go, oh my God, this has just been the most humiliating night of my life. Dear God, I'd bombed in front of this girl who I had a crush on. And then she said, you tried your best. I could see what you were doing. Anyway, I'm off to hook up with this other guy. That's me blowing my head off. It was the, it was up there with the most humiliating nights of my life. At the time, rocked, rocked me. But looking back, I did, here's, here's the thing. Every story has a happy ending. Two years later, I ended up having sex with that girl. So who's the real winner now, Sandra? It's still her. It's still her. She's, um, she comes from a lot of money and a new boyfriend is fucking enormous. So still her, but you know, Billy D got, got one in for the book. So I guess the story, the moral of that one is never give up. Is that what I'm going for? Never give up. Thank you. All right, dude. Well, tell your fucking friends, hey? Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. Because these people got me fucked up. Yeah, they got me way too wrong, way too wrong. Now my mind's telling me, don't you wait too long, wait too long. Oh, oh, oh.